ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, if you've got ideas for future episodes, please contact us. You can do that through email, ignition at sfcatholic.org. You can also tweet at us. The Twitter handle is at SFDiocese, S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E, and the hashtag is Ignition. Again, my name is Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Uh, married, layman. Uh, my wife and I have been married since July of 1999, so we recently celebrated our 18th anniversary, and we have five children together. We make our home here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I was going to make a little trumpety noise for your anniversary. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm Father Andrew Dickinson, priest of the diocese since 2006. Uh, And since 2009, uh, and to the time of this recording, I've been serving as the uh, director of the Pope Pius Health Newman Center and the pastor of St. Paul's Parish in White, South Dakota. So this is Father Dickinson's penultimate episode uh, as a regular host of co-host of Ignition, along with me, I uh, mentioned the last couple episodes, Father and I have been um, co-hosting Ignition since 2010, uh, by and large, almost 300 episodes together. Uh, and he is going to be stepping away after next week's episode. Um, so I thought that I should make it easy and let Father, that today's episode should be on a topic that Father is an expert on. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, Way back early on, so we were mentioning this a couple episodes ago, that the first episode we did together was sort of an analysis, a midrash on the movie Inception. And then the next episode we did was uh, titled... It was a midrash. What does a midrash mean? In case our listeners don't know midrash, <laughs> I thought they might just Google it. Uh, midrash uh, is sort of just uh, expand yourselves. Um, Google it. Uh, <laughs> we call you dear listeners, but then we make you work. Uh, a midrash is sort of like a, a commentary on, a reflection on um, a passage of scripture. So it's it's, it's out of Judaism. Um, so Jewish commentary on the books of scripture. Um, uh, is, is what's called midrash, and it's to some degree authoritative. Um, I don't think our episode on Inception was an authoritative commentary on the movie, but it was a commentary nonetheless. Yes, it was, I don't think it had much authority. The second episode that you and I did together, um, we sort of just briefly told our stories, huh. but I thought here at the end of your tenure um, that we, we could take a little more time for the listeners to find out more about you as you leave. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, you've said, uh, numerous times that you're, what, it's not the queen city. No, it's not the queen city. Where are you from? I'm from the mother city. Mother city. Mother city. Forgive me. I'm not, I'm not a native South Dakotan, so I can't recall. So, um, I, I, with the little bit that I know, well, I I know more, but I I know that your mom, um, was a convert to the faith. Your dad was lifelong Catholic. So if you could just as a way into this briefly describe, uh, growing up in the Dickinson household insofar as it refers to your faith life. Yeah. Uh, so I had a very good household to grow up into. And I was thinking about this, um, you know, there's a lot of books out these days about like how to raise how to raise saints. I even saw this book title, like How to Raise Saints. Right. I was like, D 
dude, no pressure. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, you know, I, uh, I think we had just kind of, a, it felt like a normal household. I mean, um, in a good Catholic sense of normality, uh, my parents were filled, but they weren't, um, they weren't per se, uh, you know, overly devout in any way, in any right. noticeable way. I mean, I guess maybe some of my peers, they were in some ways. My mom was called the church lady, uh, <laughs> because she worked as the DRE, right? you know, but th- th- it wasn't because she spent like, you know, all hours of the day in prayer and that we we're praying like three rosaries a day as a family. Like, I can remember the number of times we prayed a rosary as a family, very limited, right? you know, very limited number of times. And that's nothing against my parents. I love my parents. And I, um, my dad's been deceased since 2006, shortly after I was ordained. Um, but I tell my mom all the time, you know, thank you for being the first uh, in one of the best seminaries I ever went to, mm. you know, uh, in the top three. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I only went to two actual uh, seminaries. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> but no, I mean, just like for being the best of seminaries, because they were. Right. Uh, just in being a school of humanity and what it means mm. to be human, learn how to interact with my brother. Um, Is he older or younger than you? Well, uh, older. Okay. And uh, uh, he has a great story of faith, too. He's a better Catholic than I am. Wow. And uh, I say that all the time. It's true. Because um, he's older. I mean, the older is, oldest is always the best. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, no, this is, well, no, this is not nature. This is grace. Oh, yeah, okay. And this is definitely grace. And, um, but, uh, uh, um, so faith life, I mean, we were, but we we're constant Catholics. And so. Constant like, Catholics. Yeah. I mean, like, we did not miss Sunday mass. Okay. And so we'd go, we, we didn't do, we weren't, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. I didn't know this until later on when I came like. Oh, like, so those Sundays when we really wanted to go out to eat and our parents would just kind of drive around in the country and then we'd go home, as far as we probably didn't have money in the budget to eat. Yeah. You know? Oh, wow. Um, so we didn't go on a lot of big vacations, but it, well, vacations we did go on, we were usually like visiting family. Sure. And we'd always go to mass. Yep. Or even if we were at some cabin, like a couple of times we went to a cabin, Minnesota, or you know, maybe there's a family cabin we could use sometimes on our own in Wisconsin, but we'd always go to mass. And it was funny because my grandma... Uh, my my dad's mom, uh, my mom's my mom's dad died uh, before uh, um, they were married, and uh, before my mom and dad were married, and then her mom, my grandma on that side, died uh, when I was like three. It's one of wow. my first memories. Is my mom getting the phone call? You know, mom, why are you crying? Hmm. Um, well, I have some other memories before that, but it's one of the first real clear ones. Um, but uh, so we go visit my dad's and and my. My dad's dad, my paternal grandpa, died uh, before I was born. He was alive for my brother's birth, but not for mine. Hmm. My parents got married pretty late, actually. That's a okay. uh, uh, really cool story. And th- they actually were engaged twice. Really? Yeah. I've never heard that. No. And so, well, not many people have. And so, I don't think I heard it tell us, like, maybe 20 or something. Okay. But it's just, I mean, a beautiful story of their persistence. You know, uh, my dad was in Vietnam and suffered. I think today you might call it some PTSD. Hmm. Um, but he just knew he couldn't get married. They, they didn't even meet each other until my dad was back from Vietnam. Okay. And my mom, she was just really happy. Just kind of, She wasn't like out hunting for a husband at any point. And God just kind of put them together. And, um, but then uh, they, um, they broke off. My dad broke off the engagement because he said, something's not right. Hmm. And I need to get right before I do yeah. this. And, uh, and so he got right and they got back together. And thanks be to God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they got married later in life. Uh, and so I've been always grateful to my mom, like, uh, or haven't always been grateful, but I've been as of late grateful and praying gratitude for my dad's generosity, just that they had children that late in right. life. 
Um, because it's not easy to have your first children that late in life. My yep. mom talks about like how the the nurses she she worked as a uh, um, public health nurse mm. or public health official. She was a nurse in uh, southwestern Minnesota, and uh, the there was a nurse that worked on her staff. And she was like quoting to my mom all these statistics about uh, later childbirths. Right. My mom's just like freaking out. Like, oh, great. You know, like, Lord, just give me, give me a healthy and safe baby. So constant Catholics uh, go to mass. Um, we wouldn't miss mass, you know. Um, and my dad would go and make visits. My dad would go to daily mass occasionally. Mm. And if you couldn't go to daily mass, he'd make visits. And so I was a teenager. And I was working, uh, delivering pizzas and I drove, my delivery I had to do, drove past the Sacred Heart Church in Yankton. And I saw my dad's car there, car there. And it's like Friday night, like 9, 30, 10 o'clock, you know? And so, and I knew he always kind of worked late. That's what he did. But there he was making a little visit before he came home. Hmm. And so just really uh, glad about that. And my dad was involved in the charismatic movement okay. a little bit. Um, went to, there's a famous um, rally that was in 1978 in Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, just like a huge charismatic guy. My dad went down to that. Mm. Um, and then uh, the day I was born, uh, my dad went down to the chapel at Sacred Hospital to pray. And um, it turned out there was like some Assemblies of God ministers there. And they're like, oh, we'll pray with you. And so they're like charismatically praying in gratitude on the day I was born. Or wow. Something like that, so wow. so uh, speaking of prayer, so mm-hmm. growing up, um, what was family prayer like? And you mentioned earlier you didn't yeah. pray the rosary. I'm guessing you prayed before meals. Oh yeah, I always prayed before meals. And anything else? Uh, but our prayer before meals, I never knew the like the classic Catholic really? prayer until seminary. Really? Yeah, because my dad always prayed his own prayer. Wow. And it was like same but different each yeah. time. Like he had his formula, but yeah. he would change it in things, you know. And huh. um, so the, the I mean, that's probably. Like with the Our Father, the Bless Us, O Lord, and these Thy gifts is probably one of the most known Catholic, Catholic prayers, prayers. Yeah, but not in the Dickinson household. Yeah, yeah. Story about that uh, the Catholic meal prayers yeah. tangent. Uh, Archbishop Carlson, I think it was like was that ecumenical uh, prayer thing in Sioux Falls once, but uh, back when he was Bishop Carlson here, and they asked him to say the meal grace, and he just said Bless Us, O Lord, and these Thy gifts, and uh, one of the the other Christian ministers says, Oh, that's a great prayer. Would you write that down? And they're serious. They <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. never heard that as a yeah. but. but it's a Catholic prayer. But so. that's what we take that prayer for granted. Yeah. It is a beautiful prayer, which we, I, I at least. Okay. Yeah. So what else did you guys do as a family? Um, So uh, uh mass prayer, and then like bedtime prayers. You would. Okay. Yep. So, Individually or the four of you together? Well, I mean, four of us together because for the longest time, my brother and I shared a room. <clears throat> sure. You know, uh, until maybe like preteen, maybe middle school. Okay. Yep. Okay. So you get up into junior high, high school. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what, what does that mean right well, there? Was, uh, the most awkward years of all. I saw a video of myself once from like eighth oh. grade or ninth grade. And it's like, wow. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awkward for almost everybody. It is. I it think is. Uh, just human. That's, that's nature. Um, so, but the transition, uh, as you move towards adulthood, yeah. um, Talk about, and maybe this goes into college, I don't know, the baton passing, if you will, where the parents um, raising you in the faith, constant Catholics, as you mm-hmm. said, um, when, how was the baton passed? Was it dropped at all? When did your faith become your own? Well, thankfully, like, I never had a big drop in that way. My brother was really worried about that because he went to college and he got into party scene. At the, he was at Bendicton College before it was- Down in Benedict- Atkinson, yeah, Kansas. Before yeah. it was the Bendicton College it is today. He was actually on the forefront of the conversion of Bendicton College mm. and the change in the growth of it. Uh, Father Meinrad Miller, Father Brendan Rowling, uh, Dr. Ted Shree, uh, Dr. 
Sri actually discipled my brother. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, with Focus, yeah. Okay. And my brother was one of the first, focus, first ever Focus Bible studies there. Yeah. Um, but so he was really worried, though, because he was starting his conversion uh, about the time I was going off to college. He was so worried about me going to a state school. Yeah. He was so worried. He was praying and all this stuff. He, I think, he gave me a Bible as a gift and was like underlining all these passages, like <laughs> Ephesians 5. And, I mean, he's so worried about me going to a state school. And we get there and, um, you know, just God taking care of me um, is uh, my RA walks in my room and he's like, oh, is that a crucifix? Are you Catholic? I'm like, yeah. Oh, I do music for the Catholic mass. Do you ever want to help out? Oh. Okay. Huh. So it was seamless. I don't, I, I don't remember ever, like, aside from being ill, ever missing a Sunday mass. Really? But then it wasn't because, like, I'm going to go to mass because... right. It's right, or because Jesus is real, or because it was just like, I'm going to go to Mass. That's what I do. It's just kind of simple. Okay. Um, which is fine. Yep. Uh, but where like the faith really started to become my own would have been, um, it would have been fr- uh, uh, spring break of my freshman year. I think I said in a podcast recently year that was my sophomore year, was my freshman year. So uh, around March of 1998. This is college, then. This is in college. Yeah. Okay. And so, because um, otherwise, like, my faith wasn't too big to me or too personal. Like in high school. No, not really. Like, I mean, there's people in my, I, I knew Bible stories really well, cause, just because I like to read stuff. Yeah. Um, and like uh, Harold Rubidoux from my confirmation class, he's deceased now, God bless Harold. Uh, he would say, oh, Father Andrew's going to become a priest, and, or Andrew's going to become a priest. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> and I'd say things like, you know, yeah, like, sex should be safe for marriage, unless, you know, I hedge my bets. Right. Um, but so in college... Uh, freshman year, um, I was uh, eating fish in the cafeteria on a Friday of Lent before spring break, getting one last cafeteria meal before I went home for mom's cooking. And this acquaintance sits down across me who I didn't really know, kind of kind of knew but didn't really know. And they're like, oh, you're eating fish. Are you Catholic? I'm like, yep. Uh, oh, well, why do Catholics have a Pope? And why do Catholics have more books in their Bible? Why do Catholics eat fish on Fridays? And why do Catholics do this? And I didn't have an answer. Mm. And it ticked me off. Mm. And so I went home over spring break and I just, uh, read like internet 1.0 started reading all these like mindspring.com oh, yeah. uh, websites with all these articles like uh, early Scott Hahn and Jeff Cavins articles and apologetic things from Carl Keating mm-hmm. uh, and uh, started reading and then started reading the scriptures and, like holy cow like the Bible's Catholic right uh, and uh, and that was really where I started to take claim on the faith a little more you said this is your freshman year yep okay so um, you just said started How'd you make claim or whatever? It became your own yep. at this point. Um, did you ever, well, with that guy, did you ever see him again, interact with him again? Uh, I was a gal, no. A girl, okay, a No, gal. never really, no. So that was just, okay, that's that's somewhat similar to mine, which we're not going to talk about today. So. But, but yeah, probably yeah. where somebody who, in this case, obviously isn't Catholic, but is putting your path, our path by God to awaken our faith. Yeah. It's okay. kind of the Lord's coming like smacking your ear low, but, oh. So uh, you read a bunch of apologetics. You start reading scripture with that. Um, you said you knew Bible stories really well. Yep. And, and we've, throughout Ignition, we've talked a lot <laughs> about your love for scripture. Um, was this sort of the, the beginning of that or your love for scripture that's continued to today? Is this when it began or was it already there? Or? Well, I just kind of love like the fascinating things early on. Okay. And like I would, um, when I was in high school, I set up chairs in our church gym and uh, they had like, uh, upstairs in this balcony in the church gym, they had the, these uh, like little kids Bible stories, and I just I would just 
take a moment up there on the clock and just like read through some of those stories. Sometimes I've had to take something upstairs. And, okay. Uh, I mean, I was, in fact, like, um, and like just reading those books where I'd have to wait for my mom, even before I was working that and have to wait for my mom on something. I just go up there and read some of those books okay. in that balcony, uh, in the church gym of sacred heart. In fact, I was maybe like late grade school or middle school. And I went to my friend's Baptist, uh, Bible, uh, Bible school for the week. Like during the summer Bible yep. school, vacation Bible school. And the uh, pa- pastor Omenson, I think his name was, who was a Baptist pastor in Yankton, said to my mom, you know, he knows the scriptures really well for a Catholic, or he knows nice. his Bible stories really well for a Catholic. And I'm just like, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, she didn't quite say that. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you mean, but then like, but I mean, so there's like different stages. Okay. You're kind of like, oh, kind of a fascination, and I'm still kind of fascinated with like kind of, and I was always kind of fascinated with fantasy stories or things sure. like that too. Okay. Um, but then like just like discovering the scripture and its goodness and its depth and its riches. And, okay. You listen to Ignition. This is a broadcast for the new evangelization. I'm Chris Bergwald, and my regular co-host is Father Andrew Dickinson. Today we're talking about Father's story, if you will, um, of of his faith becoming his own, growing up to become a priest for the Diocese of Sioux Falls, where he serves as the director of the Pope Pius XII Newman Center and the pastor of St. Paul's Parish in White. And I'm the director of adult discipleship and evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. If you've got questions about Father's story, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. If you guys ideas for your episodes, email us, or you can tweet at us. Father, what's the Twitter handle? At SF Diocese, S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E, and the Twitter hand, and then put the hashtag on of ignition so we can sort it through the other tweet traffic we get. The tweet traffic. Okay, so your freshman year, you have this encounter. Of college, yep. Uh, freshman year of college, you have this encounter with this uh, woman who pesters you with all, peppers you with all these questions about uh, the Catholic faith. You get indignant, my word, not yours. Go home, start reading, then what happens? Yeah, uh, so go home, start reading, and uh, just begin to like kind of like start to understand things in a new way. And then shortly after that, uh, in April, I was helping out at Holy Spirit Parish in Mitchell, South Dakota, with a sixth grade lock-in uh, for helping Amy Nightingale, who she works, uh, I forget her married name right now, she works at uh, Holy Spirit Parish in Sioux Falls now. Yep. And uh, she was volunteering as a Dakota Wesleyan student with the uh, faith formation program there in Mitchell. And she had asked me to come and help. And uh, I knew her through search retreats, okay. which I'd been involved with a little bit. And that was another place where my faith was starting to grow in that way. Um, but so I was helping on this uh, lock-in. And um, it was around the time where just kind of like, okay, Lord, what do you want from me? It started mm. to become a question in my life. You know, like... Uh, what do you want me to do? And uh, it wasn't actually at the lock-in. I'm sorry, I'm a little off on that. It was sometime around that lock-in, though, I was praying and running. This is before I like ran seriously. I, was, I don't know why I was running, probably just to eat more, which is kind of the same now. But um, I was running and uh, trying, trying to pray to distract myself. And this is in Marshall, Minnesota, where I was going to school at Southwest. Um, and uh, the line in the Our Father, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven— came about and um it, it just had me think all right well heaven's your place your will is done there how do i make your will be done on earth i mean i'm handsome but i'm incredibly so and i'm intelligent but i'm no genius so i probably can't make everyone else right. do your will but i can make me do your will 
because that's the only person I can control at the end of the day is me. Right. So, okay, then the obvious question is, what's your will for me? And so just this awareness of that God has a will for me and a plan for me, and I started to ask him to show me his plan. And he began to show me that it was like with thoughts of and just little inspiration interactions over the next 18 months of priesthood, mm. 15 months really. And um, I was like, are you sure? Because girls are cute. And I'm like, no, I want you to go to the priesthood. And like, are you sure? Because I'll do anything you want, God, but I really want to get my PhD in chemistry and marry that cute girl in, in my chemistry lab. Uh, no, I go to the seminary, go to priesthood. Ah, seriously. So. Okay, I'm going to come back to that yep. point. I want to back up a little bit. College, yep. your prayer life. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, I mean, it wasn't like anything formal. Um, what I realize now is that by God's grace, it's nothing like thoughtful or purposeful on my, fa- my, on my part. But uh, I would just kind of converse with God. Okay. I mean, not like I was hearing locutions. Yep, yep. Yeah, Andy, how are you today? <laughs> um, but I would just like, okay, hey God, this is going on in my life. Okay. What are you doing? Okay, thanks. Oh God, did you just tell me that? Okay. Like, would that be like regularly throughout the week, daily? Like how often would you have that sort of conversation? Mm-hmm. I don't idea. know. I'm too sanguine to keep track. To, you <laughs> Guess. <laughs> uh, daily? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So pretty often. Yeah. It was never really structured e- in any way. Even pre-spring break conversation, uh, it was pretty often. Maybe. maybe yeah. Maybe not. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there, there was some lived awareness of the presence of God. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, now, as you're growing then, freshman, so- um, how many years were you at Southwest then? Three years. You were there th- And my three third years. year, I knew I was leaving, Okay, but I was kind of pot committed to the year where I just didn't feel like I could leave. I wanted to leave uh, in that August before, okay. but I just knew I couldn't and probably wouldn't have been wise for me to leave anyway. Okay. It was good for me to spend that year there. So your sophomore, junior year at Southwest, prayer becomes more regular yet, or is that not really till seminary? Ish, but like, I mean, no one, I mean, nowadays there's a big push for people to do like a holy hour. Yeah. And I tried to do a holy hour every day. And um, but and I encouraged my students to pray every day. But there wasn't really that going on. And like uh, the person in the vocations office at the time was a layman, um, good man. But he just didn't really say, like, hey, you know, like one of the things you should do is like pray for a half pray hour every day. every day. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah. I tried to do some time in prayer. And I tried to, um, you know, I was still leading music. Uh, the guy, the RA had graduated. I was leading music for the Sunday night masses at the Newman Center, campus center out there. And, uh, but I'd go to like a Sunday morning mass often just to like have a mass where I could pray. Okay. You know, okay. Uh, frequent confession, you know, um, but uh, in occasional rosaries, maybe a couple times a week. Um, but uh, just, you know, wasn't yet doing like, it wasn't locking okay. into like, you know, a perfect kneeling posture for 60 <laughs> minutes a day. Very good. Yeah. Very good. As you that's do n- and that's never been me. Right. And just, Right. The Lord doesn't work with me that way. Right. So speaking the way the Lord works with you. So this call to the priesthood, then I think the way you had described that just a couple minutes ago is sort of, I think the thing that every young, well, young men who are thinking this way dreads, yeah. if you will. Right. Um, I want to get a PhD in chemistry and marry the cute girl in my chemistry lab. No, I don't want you to, but I want to No, I want you to become a priest. Right. So talk to the, maybe the young man out there who is in this situation. Yeah, so if you're, or a young woman that's, you know, maybe being called, or a young man being called the consecrated life, whether consecrated single life, uh, it's a consecrated virgin or consecrated life in a community, you know, um, there is a death of your dreams, you know, but 
don't be afraid of that because what our Lord offers in return is far greater. Um, you know, I, I would say that I kind of like uh, dragged my heels towards the seminary. Mm. You know, I was incredulous. I was unbelieving. I was doubtful. Um, but I, um, if, I w- if I would have known then what I know now about the beauty and the goodness of priesthood, I would have ran to it. Mm. And the priestly life and the good things God has given me, um, the friends that I have, um, with just real deep and beautiful friendships, um, the things I know about myself mm. uh, through the life of prayer and conversion uh, and spiritual direction, um, and the things I get to see, just, uh, you know, I, I get to see moments of grace that no one else gets to see, mm. you know, during confession uh, or at other moments where someone's at a moment of conversion, you know, um, just this just this week, I've had two different guys at the Newman Center talk to me about uh, desire. You know, I think God might be calling me to be a priest. Mm. You know, just at these moments of just vulnerability and honesty. Right. Um, and so I'm just incredibly grateful. And I, th- I really think there is, like, marriage is beautiful, but priesthood, consecrated life is beautiful as well. Right. So don't be afraid. Okay. Follow the desire wherever it goes. So you enter seminary, and we just got a couple minutes left yep. here. What are the highlights then in your your spiritual life, life of faith, since you entered seminary? Yeah, I think the main highlight would have been uh, in my second year of theology. Uh, when I was out in uh, graduate school in Denver, and I had what I call my year of hell. Okay. Where just everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Okay. And um, even to the point of like that fall semester finals in December, I got influenza A. And just kind of come to this point where I just, and I was able to say this to my vocation director and some others, like, I feel like I'm on this conveyor belt of formation, like, mm. and like a priest is going to pop out at the end, but I would just be my priest. I wouldn't be Jesus's priest. Mm. And I think, I, you know, and I'd be fine as my priest, but I want to be Jesus's priest. I want to serve him and be conformed to him and be taught by him. And that uh, got me to do the uh, spiritual exercises in 2004 that summer mm. to do the 30-day silent retreat, which is just, just became a whole different uh, moment in my life of prayer to be able to know the Lord and know Him knowing me. Gotcha. Um, which um, equips me to live my life as a priest. And I think one way I'd give like just a final thing to that would be um, Psalm 127 says, uh, if the Lord does not build the house in vain to the builder's labor, if the Lord does not keep watch in vain, does the watchman keep vigil? In vain is your earlier rising, you're going later to rest. You who toil for the bread you eat, while he pours gifts on his beloved while they slumber. And so in that experience of that year of hell, so to speak, um, was this invitation to become the beloved on whom the Father pours his good things. Mm. That's where I try to live. Amen. Um... <laughs> 20 seconds? Do we just, uh. I don't know. <laughs> I, what I love about telling the stories, because it's been that there at the end and then the, the earlier point that we we're just discussing a bit yeah. ago about your call, um, there's something in there when we share our own experience of the Lord. Um, it's powerful for others as well. So thank you for sharing yours today. Happily. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet us at sfdiocese. Use the hashtag Ignition with questions about today episode, today's episode or ideas for future ones. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition podcast in the iTunes store. 
Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.